Hello, I'm NASA astronaut Mike Fink. And I'm European Space Agency astronaut Luca Parmitano. We were very saddened to hear of the passing of the actor Leonard Nimoy. Leonard's character, Mr. Spock, inspired generations of NASA scientists and engineers, as well as engineers, scientists, and Star Trek fans across the planet. And as we at NASA, along with our international partners, explore the moon, Mars, and beyond, we'll take the spirit of and energy that Leonard brought to his character, Mr. Spock, along with us. Live long and prosper. The message of Star Trek is one of cooperation and integration. Mr. Spock, uh, a Vulcanian from a different planet, was fully integrated in his crew of humans and non-humans. We at the European Space Agency believe in that message and working with our international partners, we will take that message with us as we go beyond to explore space for humanity and for our planet. Greetings, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Trex in Sci-Fi. This is going to be a difficult uh, podcast to record. Obviously, everyone listening has probably heard of the passing of Leonard Nimoy. Uh, Mr. Spock uh, passed away a couple of days ago. Just uh, an amazing number of messages and emails and, and videos showing up online and, and in my inbox and uh, I obviously uh, you know everyone loved uh, the character the actor and, and you know what Leonard did over his career was amazing and he will certainly be remembered for a very long time so uh, on Treks and Sci-Fi this week uh, I was going to and I still am going to try to cover <laughs> A little bit of, uh, ironically, I was going to cover an original series episode called Patterns of Force, uh, which, uh, you know, Leonard and and Mr. Spock's character figures into it pretty prominently. I'm going to try to hit on that uh, later in the podcast. But for the most part, we're going to talk about Leonard, his career, hear from some of you, and uh, just kind of celebrate his his life and and what he did and and what he meant to all of us. And uh, I'll try... uh, Try not to get too choked up, but uh, hey, let's do this. I believe in living a creative life. You are the creators and the curators of your own lives. You create your own life and your work. Give us your best. Give us the best of your art. We crave it. We hunger for it. Help us to see ourselves, to know ourselves. Illuminate our lives. And keep in mind what Victor Hugo said, popularity is the crumbs of greatness. I cannot leave without saying to you, in all sincerity, live long and prosper. Again, welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Rico, and this is going to be a look at uh, Leonard Nimoy, his life, his career, and some uh, thoughts from myself, uh, some of you, some actors, uh, famous people, the president, astronauts you heard at the beginning of the show, just just everybody uh, 
you know, I think has uh, some connection to to Star Trek, to Leonard Nimoy, and so forth. So uh, today is March 1st. I forgot to say at the beginning of the show, March 1st, 2015, podcast 528, I think. So, uh, yeah, Leonard Nimoy, I... I guess I could start out talking a little bit about, and, I, and I'm sure I've said this story or, or talked about this in different ways on the podcast uh, throughout doing it for the last, uh, oh, 10 years almost, nine and a half years. But, uh, you know, as a kid for me growing up uh, watching the original series reruns, um, you know, my father had passed away when I was pretty young. I think I was about 10. And uh, right around that time, I think it was just actually probably a year or two after that approximately you know that gets a little fuzzy sometimes but um i started to watch uh the original series and reruns on on television and you know both you know kirk spock mccoy the everyone in a, in a way but i think definitely leonard nimoy and his portrayal of spock for me was was you know kind of hit home and was was very important to me you know as a kid you know losing a parent uh, it you want to just like pretty much you know fall apart mess up and, and you know you, you can go kind of a couple different ways I think or, or you know I'm, I'm pretty generalizing but uh, you know the the thing there that 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 Leonard's portrayal of Spock and, and what kind of I think helped me and, you know, kind of helped me on the course, you know, that I took was to sort of not exactly bury, you know, my feelings, but to keep them under control. And and it still kind of has, you know, it's still with me kind of every day in a, in a way. You know, there are always times that, you know, life has, um, things happen, uh, good things, bad things, things that don't, you know, they're neutral things, but you, you kind of have to keep your uh, frankly keep your bleep together so uh, and and that's definitely something that I picked up on and I think took from from you know Leonard playing Spock and 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 kind of you know I took some things from Shatner's Kirk and you know a little bit but these guys became kind of sur- a surrogate family to a degree sur- certainly surrogate father figures for me and it, it certainly influenced the way I am the way that uh, my personality I guess you could call it and and also my likes and dislikes obviously it, it goes without saying that I'm, I'm a huge you know Trek and sci-fi fan and and this certainly at the time uh, just completely cemented itself in my my brain and personality so the um, I don't know what I'm trying to say here <laughs> I, I guess to say I would not be the same kind of a person is an understatement without Leonard and, and Spock's character and, and Star Trek in general and he certainly also besides the emotional element in the you know the surrogate father thing and all his his him being the scientist and the logical you know data driven you know guy on the ship led to the kind of career that I ended up having and studied science in school and was you know around that time even I'd watch a rerun of Star Trek and run off and play with my chemistry set and and build things and experiment and, and all of that uh, 
build uh, toys and props and you know back before you could just click on a button on your computer and order anything uh, better looking than than you could build uh, it it, uh, it really made me the, the kind of a person that I am now and, and, and I'm super grateful I don't know if that's even the right word to use super uh, happy that that came about and that I was able to to find Star Trek find these actors playing these characters and 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 how much that meant to me at the time I know I I, you know I had no clue that this was (laughs) going to become such an important part of my life or or that I would pick up on so many what I feel are are you know amazing you know positive qualities and you know just the the other things like the astronauts mentioned at the beginning of the show that I played you know the the fact that they had this diverse crew you know, I love to travel. I love to see different people, different cultures. I, I try so hard to be accepting of, of other people's attitudes and their uh, opinions and, and beliefs and all of this stuff it is so much a message of, of Star Trek and Spock's character and what Leonard did with that character. It, just, it just is hard to put into words. I hope I'm doing it. <laughs> A, a bit of an adequate job about it, but I, I, you know I can't emphasize it enough to say this. Just um, you know what Leonard did was, was so important to me, and I, I hope I'm not stumbling too badly. I probably should take a break, uh, but uh, again, uh, thank you, Leonard. Thank you for for such a an amazing uh, career and portrayal. I mean, I loved other things that he worked on in search of, and even up to his recent efforts on, on, on the show Fringe that he was uh, connected with and his, his couple of guest appearances in the recent Star Trek movies. And just, just, he, he just was a, a super nice, super classy guy. I, I was able to see him at a couple times at conventions over the years, and, and he just seemed to be so genuine and so sweet with the fans. Uh, and I, I, I really appreciate that he just always seemed like a, a stand-up guy. And there's countless stories of, of Leonard um, going to bat for actors and, and just certain causes. And, and you know, he was he was uh, just amazing. And uh, you know, certainly will be missed. And, and this is difficult. I was thinking about this today. You know, when when the other people connected to Star Trek, when when they've passed away. Uh, it, there really hasn't been one of the major characters or people since I've been doing the podcast. Um, DeForest Kelly passed away around, I think it was 1999, uh, and Gene Roddenberry, what, a few years after that, I think. I'm trying to remember the date exactly. Uh, the closest one was uh, James Dewan Scotty passed away only a month or two or so before, in 2005, I think, before I started the podcast. So this is the first time I've had to do kind of something like this. And uh, I I wasn't really sure if I was going to at first. Uh, But then, you know, between the Facebook group and people sending me emails and and, uh, audio clips and things, there was really no avoiding it. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I think it's important. And and it's certainly... uh, certainly a, a a tricky difficult time for everyone uh, you know the it's it's uh it's really incredible i mean somebody was saying uh, i think it was i was talking to my wife lynn about it a little bit and i've talked to a few other people but um 
it's interesting when somebody passes away, you know, and, and I've obviously been affected by that situation, frankly, you know, early in my life, but frankly, too many times that I, I want to even share here. But it, it's people say things like, you know, well, how can we say all this kind of stuff now when somebody's gone? You know, wouldn't it be better to tell people how much they uh, mean to you, you know, before they're gone? And I like, yeah, that's true. And I, and I try to do that as best I can. On a day-to-day basis, you know, I, I I try to say hello and goodbye to people, you know, try to brighten them up somehow if I see that they're, you know, feeling down or, you know, you, you just, you, you can't really talk, I don't think, like this to somebody like, uh, you know, they're going to be gone tomorrow. You know, you don't know. But I, I, th- I think to just be as decent and as nice to people and hopeful and kind as you can is the best that one can do. So it's, um, you know, that's something that I, I certainly think, and and it's I, I mention this pretty often, especially to Lynn a lot about the fact that people, people who have not had somebody close to them, you know, if you've been fortunate enough to have some, you know, never have anyone really close to you be gone the next day, you don't really. Think I don't think you really think like this, and, and maybe that's a good thing, but but I certainly do. You know, people, life is precious, and, and you don't always know if, if someone's going to be around. So, so hey, call up somebody you haven't talked to in a while or, uh, you know, or, or go see someone you haven't seen in a while, something like that. But, uh, all right, there's my <laughs> oh, public service announcement, right? So, uh, um, what's up? Well, let's see. Let's play a few of. Um, I, I'm I'm poking around on uh, YouTube and different places and trying to find some other messages from people, uh, in different places. So um, I think I'm going to play. There, I saw something. Entertainment uh, Tonight did a little bit of a, a story which I thought was uh, was pretty good. I don't think it's super long. So let me play that next. I'll probably slide in a couple other things from uh, from some celebs and things like that and and famous people. And then I'll get to some of what you guys sent in to me. Hi, I'm Leonard Nimoy. You're watching E.T. Hi. Hi. I'm Spock. Do you feel like a cultural icon? That's what they tell me. (laughs) I don't don't, don't go around saying to myself, oh, you're a cultural icon. I don't think about it in those terms, but I, I guess it's true. Right here at Paramount Studios is where Leonard Nimoy brought the role of the half-Vulcan, half-human Spock to life in 1966. The iconic character influenced many generations to come. My training was, as, as an actor, to use my emotions. And this was a character whose emotions were locked up. When we first started shooting, I wasn't ready to do that. I, couldn't, hadn't, I hadn't quite figured it out. And How I learned... To- be an actor that emotes no exactly. emotion. Exactly. I mean, which is genius. Emote, that's right. <laughs> Just over a week ago, Nimoy was rushed to the hospital with severe chest pains and a call to 911. Rescue 71, chest pain, Stone Canyon Road. He died this morning in his Bel Air home. His last tweet A life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. While his character had no emotion, Leonard was a thoughtful man filled with humor, and it always came out when he was with his good friend, William Shatner. I'd like to see if I fit into that uniform. You think you could? (laughs) No chance, no, no. 
Shatner was among the many stars tweeting their thoughts today, celebrating the life of a man who was just as dignified as the character who defined him. He's had such a long experience with this character. It shaped his life, and he's such a generous spirit and such a great guy. I'm very flattered that I look like him. <laughs> he was a hot younger Spock, right. but he's a hotter older Spock. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Leonard was also a very dear friend. Uh, one extraordinary thing about him, I remember, when Star Trek was uh, going to uh, be done as an animated uh, uh, series, uh, they cast Leonard, Bill Shatner, Major Barrett, and Jimmy Dewitt uh, only for the voice acting on that. Uh, and when he discovered that... Uh, Michelle Nichols and Walter Koenig and I were not cast because of uh, budgetary considerations. He said, Star Trek is about diversity. And if the two people that represent diversity the most, uh, Michelle and George, then I'm not interested in doing it. He said, I'm, I will not do it without uh, the point of Star Trek, which was diversity. That was an extraordinary thing for an actor to to uh, give up a gig on, uh, for other uh, on behalf of other actors, and because of because Leonard was so necessary for the uh, project, uh, they cast uh, Michelle and me, and offered Walter uh, an opportunity to write a, write a script. He was really an amazing man and a lovable man, a very thoughtful man. He was very supportive uh, of my career personally. Uh, when uh, Leonard did uh, Equus on Broadway, and when I did uh, the same role, Equus, in Los Angeles in a smaller theater, he was there to uh, support me and came backstage. And when I said, well, how did I do, Leonard, knowing that he was uh, the man who did it on Broadway, he said, smilingly and obviously jokingly, but he said, you were better. Hey, everyone, I'm on the White House press list, and President Obama just issued this statement, as you can see, regarding the passing of Leonard Nimoy. And I will read to you what it says. It reads as follows. Statement by the president on the passing of Leonard Nimoy. Long before being nerdy was cool, there was Leonard Nimoy. Leonard was a lifelong lover of the arts and humanities, a supporter of the sciences, generous with his talent and his time. And of course, Leonard was Spock. Cool, logical, big-eared, and level-headed, the center of Star Trek's optimistic, inclusion, inclusive vision of humanity's future. I loved Spock. In 2007, I had the chance to meet Leonard in person. It was only logical to greet him with the Vulcan salute. The universal sign for live long and prosper. And after 83 years on this planet, and on his visits to many others, it's clear Leonard Nimoy did just that. 
Michelle and I join his family, friends, and countless fans who miss him so dearly today. And that's from President Obama. So those are some uh, reports and things that I found online about uh, Leonard's passing. Uh, you may heard George Takei uh, comment about him going to bat for the actors for the animated series. Uh, that message from President Obama, which was really nice, I thought. So uh, obviously I think uh, a lot of people know that Obama's a pretty big Trek fan. That's uh, been widely known for a long time. So and then there, I think I played the E.T. Uh, Entertainment Tonight to what they had to say. Now I'm going to switch over to, I'm going to try to, uh, as best I can, uh, some people sent in some emails, some people sent in some audio clips. So let me read a couple of these emails first. Uh, this one's from Brian, Brian Dunn, a uh, longtime uh, friend of mine, listener to the show. He's done some spots on here, too. Anyway, uh, Brian has to say this on an email that he sent me. Uh, I tried a few times to record a message to send you for the tribute to Leonard Nimoy, but every time I found myself choking up and unable to say the words. My eyes are misty even as I write this. Perhaps this has hit me so hard because I've spent the past year or so reading the Cushman books, These Are the Voyages, and watching the TOS episodes concurrently with that. I've learned so much about Leonard and his very early relationship with Trek. Last night I watched Day of the Dove and went to bed reading about the making of the final TOS episode, Turnabout Intruder. I woke up this morning feeling in a very TOS mood and wore my Treks in sci-fi polo shirt to work. Uh, Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner were my very first boyhood heroes, and I I know Brian and I share that. uh, as I grew up and went on adventures with Spock and the crew of the Enterprise, my love, admiration, and respect for Leonard grew. He seemed such a vibrant, dynamic man with a myriad of fascinating interests and skills, such as his love for song and photography. I'm especially fond of his recent car commercials and his ability to have such a great sense of humor about himself and his iconic role. I have been a critical about his inclusion in the last two Trek films. I felt I would have been preferred them without his presence but suddenly i find myself thankful thankful i had an opportunity to see him portrayal spock one final time and then brian says uh, in quotes uh from uh from obviously from wrath of khan of my friend i can only say this of all the souls i've encountered in my travels his was the most human i can't say it anywhere near like uh william shatner says it but uh yeah brian thanks for that email and and much of what you uh, said, I, I feel exactly the same way. He, you know, he had what I what I think one of the things I really admired about Leonard Nimoy, and it, and it happened with quite a few of the other actors from the original series of Star Trek. They they went on to try and and, and you know do other things. Like you said, Leonard was was very into photography. had had a number of showings. You can people can find that stuff. I'm sure online of what he did. Uh, and and he just you know uh, these actors I, I I just think they were just super great super intelligent super smart people they weren't just uh, they didn't just kind of sit back and and I always also appreciated you know back in the days of the original series and then when some of the first Star Trek conventions started you know you would see these actors at, at those and you could really get get down close to them talk to them uh, much more than the sort of the convention scene is these days has become much more commercial and 
and very um, impersonal. And, and, and I understand the way it is. There's so many more fans and people, and it's become kind of more of a business. But I, I really miss and, and, and love those early days because these guys, were, they really put themselves out there. They didn't have to do that stuff. It, uh, But you could also see there are lots of photos. I even found some about a week ago, which seems kind of appropriate now, of, of Leonard Nimoy at a at a some early like 70s i think i put some links i'll try to put some links up again uh, in the podcast notes if i remember <laughs> trying to keep my brain working today but uh, there are some pictures from like the 1970s on Flickr, i think and a couple other places that i found uh, of some of these early conventions and i mean he's just you know leonard nimoy some of these pictures he's just hanging out with the fans sitting down on a couch with them chatting and stuff like that i mean that that would just just can't happen and does not happen these days uh, but i think it's just it shows the kind of person he was and, and the kind of uh kind of attitude he had with the fans always never condescending just always sweet generous and, and nice and and a, that means a lot to me, being a fan, and and I know sometimes fans can get a little, a little crazy, but I, I always think about that when I when I think about those days. And the and, and George Takei was always the same way. I I think I've said this one before, but you know he would uh, back uh, years ago. He you know he'd offer people, hey, go out. I he was he's a runner or was a runner. I don't know if he still jogs very much these days. Maybe uh, he seems like he's in pretty good shape still, but. Uh, he would go out on these runs and he would offer people to go along with him. So I, I really appreciate the the kind of uh, attitude that they had about that. So let me get through and say, uh, let me see, let me read another email or two here. This one's from, um, here's one from Rick Pete, my buddy over in Chicago. Rick says uh, this, he says, I grew up in the 60s watching Star Trek and have been a fan uh, from day one at six years old. While Captain Kirk was cool, I really identified myself with Mr. Spock growing up. My father is a TV movie screenwriter, very funny, very, but very logical when it comes to problem solving, dealing with issues. The phrase he would always say to me was, use your head. He told me not to fly off the handle, not to react too emotionally without the benefit of intellect. Consequently, I always thought of my dad as Mr. Spock, the cool, logical guy who always analyzed the situation and came up with the best solution to a problem or situation. And because my dad was Mr. Spock, I kind of felt a kinship with, with him, with Leonard Nimoy. As I chose a career as a software developer and IT professional, I associated that choice with following in Mr. Spock's footsteps. I've met Mr. Nimoy several times at conventions back in the 70s and in the 90s, and most recently at the Creation Trek convention in Las Vegas. We had some time to talk as he autographed a huge canvas poster I wanted at an auction, the one with Spock standing beside the Galileo shuttlecraft displaying the iconic Vulcan hand greeting. He was warm, engaging, and personable. Our fandom has lost a dear soul. I think Captain Kirk said it best. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Yeah, that, that scene in Wrath of Khan has become uh, played a lot now and has become very poignant and very real. Uh, and I, I think uh, it's... I was going to say almost that it's 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 sort of comforting in a way to have it uh, that scene either even though of course Spock comes back right and there was this uh, funny kind of story there's on the on the internet of course there's a few uh, I don't remember the exact site this was on I've been scanning a lot of stuff in the last day or two but there was a story about uh, 
a made-up story. There are these news sites that are all like make-believe made-up stories. And uh, this one had a story about William Shatner stealing the old space shuttle Enterprise, taking it into space in search of his his lost friend, uh, Leonard Nimoy slash Mr. Spock. And I found that kind of uh, kind of cool and kind of funny. Uh, but I but I understand the sentiment and I can take it uh, for further intention. But I, I, I thought that that was kind of neat. And, and obviously, you know, he steals the Enterprise in, in Star Trek three and goes off in search of his friends. So uh, thanks for uh, Brian and, and Rick for those emails. I think next up uh, I'm going to play. Uh, I think I have some audio clips. I don't know if I have any more. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let me read one more uh, written email here. This is from Avery Draper. Avery Draper, uh, he says, uh, I remember calling a good friend who loves Trek as much as I do the day we lost Mr. Kelly, DeForest Kelly McCoy, and breaking the news to him. Today he did the same with me for Mr. Nimoy. Thanks to my friend for the news and, and the laughter concerning the campfire scene in Star Trek V. We both needed that. And thanks to Mr. Nimoy for all you meant to us. We will miss you. All right, thank you for that, Avery. And, yeah, so I'm going to go off now and play... Uh, several, I think I got three or four, something like that, of audio from different people. I'm going to play those. First one up, I think, is from uh, Sarah Beth, uh, Tina Marie, or how, how do you say her name? I don't know. I'm losing it. Uh, but anyway, uh, this is, uh, yeah, Tina Marie, a.k.a. Sarah Beth. She sent a message about uh, her thoughts on Leonard and, and his passing. So I'm going to play that, and uh, I'll probably just play a few others in a row uh i think i've got one from meds from joe uh maybe another one i'll, I'll look through my email here but uh here's uh sarah beth hello to everyone in treks on in treks and sci-fi my memories of spock by Sarah beth Along with my fellow fans of Trek and sci-fi, I am saddened by the loss of Leonard Nimoy. He was an amazing man. I loved him as Spock. I would also seek out his other roles in Columbo, Stitching Crime, as Paris in Mission Impossible, as Mel Mermelstein and Never Forget, the chauffeur on the Bangles going down to Liverpool, Theo and Vincent, Morris Meyerson in A Woman Called Golda, and William Bell on Fringe. I also loved... His portrayal of Spock and um, when they did the alien voices, Spock versus Q and Spock versus Q too. The sequel. And my favorite movies, the Star Trek movies, were uh, Search for Spock and The Voyage Home. And I loved his scene with Zachary Quinto in the 2009 version of Star Trek. I thought that scene was just timeless. And, of course, I love him in The Big Bang Theory. I love the scene where Penny gave the napkin to Sheldon and, you know, Sheldon thinks he can just create another Leonard Nimoy. So I thought that was great. Um, but I will always remember his voice because he had such a great voice. Very, I mean, I, I heard him all the time. He was always doing some kind of narration, ancient mysteries or something and um i would get excited whenever his voice would would just appear when i was younger i went to the boston museum of science omni theater they would always start the show with a sound check and they would use a recording of his voice 
1997, my senior year in high school, my friends and I saw him and William Shatner in Boston. I got his autograph and he was a very nice man. I was saddened to hear of his sickness and the COPD seemed to take him very quickly. I have many great memories of Leonard Nimoy and I hope, you know, because he tried to get people to not start smoking and to quit smoking. And I know I tried smoking when I was younger and it still does nothing for me. And so, but I do have family that smokes and I know it's not a good thing. So I, I was really surprised when I had heard that he used to smoke a lot. So that really kind of surprised me. But anyway, I know that, um, there are lots of people have great memories of him and he will be greatly missed, but I know that his Katra will live on with us for a very long time. This is Tina Maria Schwegirl as Zarabath. Everyone live long and prosper. Thank you so much, Rico. Bye. Hi, Rico. This is Meds, and this is just my um, short um, message to you regarding the sad passing of Leonard Nimoy. Um, a person who was a huge figure in the science fiction um, community, um, you know, because without a doubt, obviously, people will talk about his portrayal as Mr. Spark in Star Trek, um, which is close to everyone's heart. Um, so I don't really need to, to, to say much about that. I'm sure everyone will, you know, will, will mention that anyway. Um, we was just, well, me and my waffle on uh, mate, Cal, was, was just saying we're going to do a a little tribute podcast um, to him, uh, as in film, because we do films. Um, we decided that we're going to do Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which I think is one of the great horror films. And he was wonderful in that. He was really, really wonderful in that. And um, quick look in at his IMDb page, uh, I realised he was the voice of Galvatron in the uh, cartoon film, the uh, Transformers the movie, which as a kid... I absolutely adored, like I adored Star Trek. Um, I have such wonderful memories of my mum calling me in from the garden at six o'clock to tell me that, you know, Star Trek is on and running through and, and, and sitting there absolutely amazed by the, the TV show and the films. I was a huge fan of Mission Impossible uh, and I especially remember him being in it. And um, and he, he brought a, a wonderful um, joy to us all as an actor, as a director, as a photographer, as an artist, and also as a, a very nice, decent, wonderful bloke. Um, I never got the chance to meet him, sadly. I, I know a lot of you have, and I look forward to hearing all your memories. And um, and he also did some tongue-in-cheek stuff as well, like the wonderful, you know, Bilbo song that I'm sure we, we, we've got to play. You've got to play that because. Uh, as sad as it is that he's passed on, he has left, so, you know, gave us such wonderful memories, and I always think it's good to celebrate someone's life. Um, a sad day, um, but I look forward to hearing all your wonderful thoughts. Okay, take care, everybody. Bye bye. Hey, Rico. Hey, Trex and Sci Fi. Joe here, Billy Bob476 from the forums. Not that I post much there anymore, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, sad news. Um, this time around, I guess, uh, I just wanted to give you some thoughts on, uh, on the, the unfortunate passing away of Leonard Nimoy. Um, I mean, really, what is there to say that, you know, I'm sure people haven't already said, I mean, he's, he, he was a huge, huge, huge part of 
of my life, of my, my childhood. Obviously, you know, I didn't see uh, the original series when it was originally airing. I'm a little uh, too young for that. But, um, you know, I grew up with my dad watching it and me and him watching it on reruns. And, you know, Spock always sort of stood out, obviously, as one of the main characters. But also, uh, you know, I was talking online with a couple of people and, and we came to an interesting conclusion that, you know, before Spock, um, aliens were always kind of sideshow. You know, alien characters were either the monster that they were trying to kill or they were the funny sidekick or the guest of the week or, or something like that. And, and Spock and, you know, the character of Spock and the way he was portrayed by Leonard Nimoy made, and maybe this, this wording isn't exactly right, but made the alien seem more human, made the alien relatable, made the alien one of us. And, you know, the differences were interesting, but we could still relate to him and his struggles and, uh, and everything like that. And I think that is a huge, huge testament to um, Leonard Nimoy's acting ability. And, uh, you know, I had seen him in, in other things throughout the years, but obviously, uh, to me, he will always be uh, Mr. Spock. And, um, you know, it's, it's just very sad that, he, uh, that he's passed away. I, I had heard, you know, kind of... Uh, last week that he had gone into the hospital and uh, I know he'd been sick for a while with, I believe it's COPD. And, um, you know, I was kind of preparing saying like, Oh, you know, I, I, I don't think, you know, this may not end well. And, and I felt like I had sort of prepared myself for the eventuality that he may, he may pass away. And, but you know what? I wasn't ready. And, um, it definitely caught me by surprise. And, uh, I was quite upset by it. And as I'm sure we all are. So, uh, you know, another great, uh, great Star Trek actor has left us, one of the more important ones, obviously. And um, it's just very, very sad. My condolences go out to his family and, uh, you know, obviously all, all of Trekdom. We've lost uh, a really, really important, really great man. And, you know, I can only hope that now he's uh, not in pain in a better place and uh, all that. So thanks a lot, Rico, and uh, keep it up. And, um yeah, you know, I hope uh, I hope the show is still uh, a little more upbeat this week, uh, despite this uh, this really really sad news. Bye bye. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for uh, for the audio stuff, the written stuff. Uh, I've got a, a one more, I think, to play one more audio one from Rick Moyer that I'll play here in a moment. Uh, but yeah, thanks, uh, Sarah Beth and uh, Tina Marie. Or <laughs> Whatever, whichever uh, gnome de plume, is that how you say that, Joe? And and Joe, thanks, and Meds. You guys all really, I, I love hearing different people's thoughts on this and comments because you all have different, I, I think I'm spending too much time down in Austin, Texas. You all have uh, different takes on things. And and it's really interesting, I, especially what I, I, I'd never really thought about what you said, Joe, and I don't know why exactly, but... <laughs> I think it's because I've become so used to Spock and Trek, but you are absolutely right about him being really one of the forerunners and in, in, on the uh, just one of the first times you saw an alien portrayed in, in, in a positive, you know, intellectual, reasonable way, and, and just and just really change that stereotype around quite a bit. Although you still have movies and TV shows these days where the aliens are nasty or monsters or whatever and 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 sure those are still fun but that's not all the aliens out there let's hope but 
And yeah, it's been great uh, to hear what you guys have had to say. Great to see all the stuff online. Like I said earlier on, a lot of range of thoughts and emotions and, and, and meds and, and, and I think Joe and, you know, everyone's kind of said, you know, I'll try to shift gears here with Rick's comment. Cause of course he's got a song, which is great uh, to share with us as well, but We'll try try to you know put away the Kleenex box for a little while here and try to celebrate Leonard a little bit and maybe I'll I'll try to touch on that patterns of force episode. I have a different thought of way to do that since we'll be limited on time. Uh, I I I will tell you about the ad blah blah. <laughs> Excuse any lack of coherent speaking and sentence structure on this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. I think I'm doing pretty good actually. I, as I was getting ready, putting all the equipment out and gathering a few things and prepping for the show, I said, God, I don't even know if I can do this. And I, last night, for some reason, it was bugging me and, and, and hitting me even worse. I think, well, yesterday, I, I, I'll mention or the, the, probably the reason for that is I spent a few hours yesterday putting together this tribute video. Uh, it's on, up on my Vimeo site, V-I-M-E-O dot com forward slash Trekkie, and it's the Leonard Nimoy tribute. I'm going to try to put it up on uh, on YouTube today as well, but uh, as I was gathering the clips and, and putting that together, I was getting as as Brian likes to say a little verklempt, and and, and I felt pretty sad. And uh, I also watched on top of that pour pour this on top of it. But I watched that movie last night. I watched the Theory of Everything about uh, Stephen Hawking, and it's a fantastic movie. You know, uh, Eddie Redmayne just won the best actor Oscar for it, which I can see and understand after seeing it finally. But the, um, I was going to say about that, but it, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, it pulls at your heart that, uh, you know, as he, as he goes through this debilitating, uh, disease in the, in the movie, everyone probably listening again, knows Stephen Hawking, uh, you know, he has a Lou Gehrig's disease and, and he's still managed to hang on for a very long life and obviously an amazing amount of work. But, you know, I throw Leonard Nimoy's passing me doing this music video, prepping for the show, watching the theory of everything. I mean, it was like, you know, might as well just like, you know, blubber myself to sleep or whatever. But <laughs> today feeling a little bit more upbeat, you know, we, we can we can turn this into, isn't it the Irish that have a big wake and have a big party uh, when when someone passes away? Let's try to let's try to um, bring up the tempo a little bit. And, and to do that, to help us transition here a little, we'll have Rick Moyer, his comments about Leonard Nimoy and, and this music uh, uh, interlude song, interlude, <laughs> the song that he put together uh, about uh, Leonard and Spock. So um, take it away, Rick, and then I'll be back and we'll we'll try to touch on the Patterns of Force TOS episode uh, and uh, figure out a way to do that. <laughs> so here's Rick Moyer. Well... It's with a heavy heart that I send these comments into you, Rico, and everybody at Drexen Sci-Fi, because we lost a legend, Leonard Nimoy. Wow, what can I say other than he was amazing? Uh, I loved all of his stuff that he did. He was he was such a unique individual, and I think I, I of course love Spock the most, the characters that he played, because there was something about Spock that it was it was so alien, but at the same time so human. Of course, he was half human. So it was an amazing role that he played and he brought life to it. And, you know, really underlying when you read a bunch of articles and you read interviews, Leonard Nimoy was pretty 
integral in the whole Star Trek galaxy. I mean, Gene Roddenberry, yeah, he invented it and had the idea. But Leonard Nimoy took the torch and ran with it. And really, if you read a, a lot of stuff about it, he really was a champion for Trek. And we lost a great guy. Just amazing. I wanted to do a tribute to him as Spock. And I've been working on a song. I, you know, I've been so busy with my business and everything. I haven't had time to do a lot of parody songs. But I finally went ahead and finished the new parody song uh, to honor Leonard Nimoy's character of Spock. And I want to play it for you today as a tribute to Leonard Nimoy. And uh, again, just want to say we should be praying for his family and everything. Because uh, like I say, we lost a, an amazing man. Uh, very influential in my life even though I never met him didn't get to see him like some of you guys did I um, always loved watching stuff with him in it and uh, enjoyed his acting immensely gonna really really miss him okay without further ado here you go what does Spock say right here on Treks in Sci-Fi irritating ah yes one of your earth emotions Riker jokes, Troy reads mine, Worf he grunts, and Wesley he annoys. O'Brien beams, Geordi's blind, and Crusher has red hair. Bones says Jim, Scotty dreams, Picard says make it so, but there's one guy that's always logical. Oh, 
Well, thanks a lot for that, Rick. Great, uh, great song as always. Great comments, and, and uh, really got uh, me thinking about uh, you know Leonard and and the original series. So let's switch uh, uh, gears just a little. Here's a song uh, that Uhura does in the episode Charlie X from the original series, a very early episode that I think kind of sums things up for the character of Spock quite a bit, and I've always enjoyed it a lot. And uh, I wish that I always wish they Uhura would have had more chance and Nichelle Nichols to sing on the original series because she's got obviously a a great voice. So so listen to this and then we're going to talk more about uh, patterns of force. I've got some behind the scenes info from Leonard Nimoy actually himself on the episode. So uh, along with a couple other things. So here we go with Uhura singing about Mr. Spock. Star Trek: The Sci-Fi Channel Special Edition will return in a moment. Let's, uh, let's talk briefly about this original series Trek episode that I was uh, planning on doing for this week, uh, Patterns of Force. Let me play the trailer. This is the second season episode. I'll play the trailer in a second. Uh, the um, second season episode, uh, towards the end of the second season, first aired on February 6th, 16th, 1968. 
remastered version aired on May 19th, 2007. This is the one about where the crew encounters a planet that's been patterned after Nazi Germany. And it, it's a pretty 60s type of show in a way uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, I think it's an interesting tale. And, and like I said, there's um, some clips online that I found with Leonard Nimoy talking about this episode. So I thought that would be a, a cool way to cover it. I'm not going to play a lot of clips from the episode like I normally would. You obviously can all watch it. Uh, it's written by John Meredith Lucas, directed by Vincent McEvity. And uh, again, towards the end of season two, Patterns of Force. So here is the trailer for this episode, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about it. Oh, hide! They're right behind me! Hide! Your uniform, Captain. You should make a very convincing Nazi. She captured a seance spy that was attempting to assassinate the Fuhrer. Gods? sent here to kill our fear. Confess. Do you want some more persuasion? This is the time of destiny. Hail victory. Hail victory. Professor, you've got to talk. You've got to tell them what happened. Now we've finished the job. been said that history is written by the victors. Christopher Columbus, was he an intrepid explorer or a plunderer? The American pioneers, were they brave settlers of the West or the slaughterers of Indian nations? The problem with history is that facts are always open to interpretation. Societies are constantly changing their views of political correctness. Today's heroes are often tomorrow's villains. And the reverse is as often true. The facts are only facts as we interpret them. When we interpret facts incorrectly, then the price may be that we forget the lessons of history. Yeah, so the, the basic premise of this episode, Patterns of Force, is there's a historian, John Gill, who ends up uh, on this planet Echos, and he was supposed to be a um, kind of a cultural observer, but he ends up sort of breaking the prime directive and interferes, thinking that the the order and 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 you know the good aspects of, of Nazi Germany could somehow be used here on this planet uh, to keep um, you know keep things progressing, but not have all the bad parts of Nazi Germany show up. And he obviously learns that that's not the case. And, and Spock and, and McCoy and Kirk go down and investigate this planet. Uh, this this is a fairly actually violent episode in a way. People get killed. Uh, the Kirk and Spock get whipped. You get to see both of them uh, shirtless <laughs> with whip marks on their back. First time and only time I think Spock has no shirt uh, you know, Kirk would take his shirt off every other episode, but uh, uh, Spock and him are thrown in this cell and they're shirtless. And it's uh, it, it's really an interesting episode, I think, uh, and the aspects of it uh, 
that they touch upon about obviously the prime directive and, and not interfering. There are um, the Ecosians and the Zions that are at kind of at war with each other. And again, they have these uh, fairly uh, low tech fleets that are going to go and uh, attack each other. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's basically this episode in a, in a very brief synopsis of it. And uh, it's it's an interesting one. I, again, I you know with all the things going on with Leonard Nimoy and the, and and tribute to uh, him and and the character of Spock that we've been talking about, I, I still wanted to talk about this episode this week and try to try to talk about what uh, his thoughts were. And they did this um, run on the Sci-Fi Channel years ago, special edition run, and they had different actors talk about different things about the show, and he had some things to say about this one, so I played already one of them. I've got another one here to play in a moment that I'll do, as well as I wanted to read, I'm going to read a couple of excerpts from uh, one of the Cushman the Cushman books on, on this episode on Patterns of Force. I'll, I'll read that for you after I play this next clip about Leonard talking about the budget. Uh, there are a number of sets and, and things in this episode that are redresses of different things that they found to use because obviously the original series and especially in season two and season three but towards the end of season two it was really tight for budgetary things so uh, i think that's what leonard has to say in this next clip and then i'll come back and read a little bit from the cushman book about this episode The watchword for Star Trek was always budget, budget, budget. Wherever we could, we would try to save money on set dressing and construction. If we could avoid building a set by using a leftover set from another production or redress a real building, we would save money that could then be applied elsewhere in the show. If you ever visit the Paramount Studio lot in Los Angeles, you might recognize the Ecosian Nazi headquarters as the producer's building and yet another Ecosian structure as the director's building. With our tight budgets, the cost of draping a few swastikas over the existing buildings proved to be significantly less than the cost of building a set from scratch. All right, now let me read a little bit from uh, one of Cushman's uh, bits uh, for this episode, Season 2, Patterns of Force. There's uh, a little bit on this episode where uh, a magazine, uh, let's see, what is this called here? Fave Magazine, yeah, that they talk about a visit to the set. Um, uh, let's see, a fan... Uh, Kim Larson was ushered in, followed by a photographer for Fave Magazine for a photo expose on her visit to Hollywood and the Star Trek set. Larson told Fave feature writer Kame Layton, When we got to the Star Trek studios on Gower Street, I was really surprised. I thought the monkey set had been hard to get onto and the Columbo Ranch, too, but this was ridiculous. They checked us out like we were spies or something, even though they already knew we were coming. Security had become that much of a problem wherever Star Trek filmed, even more so, as Larson noted than the monkeys filming locations at the height of monkey mania. Larson continued, as he walked onto, into stage 11, uh, the door, this buzzer went off and a man said, quiet, uh, from over in the corner. We tiptoed up to where they were filming. Picture this, Leonard Nimoy, Mr. Spock, in jail, stripped to the waist with green blood all over him. That was my first sight of the Star Trek stars, and you can believe I won't forget it for a long time. They finished with that particular scene 
and started to film another when someone yells out, Makeup, and this man comes running over. He brushed some more green stuff all over Mr. Spock's back to make it look like he'd been whipped, and then they started to do it the next scene. Well, I'd been so involved with seeing Leonard Nimoy covered in green blood in that jail that I hadn't noticed the other things around. That is until some Nazi soldiers comes over and starts to get in front of the camera. Nazi? Yep, you see the story is the Enterprise is on a foreign planet and it made itself like Nazi Germany. So I look around and there are Nazis all over the place with machine guns. It gave me a really creepy feeling. Well, they got through with the next scene and Cam took me over to where Leonard was sitting and introduced us. He's really sharp, and his pointed ears look as real as you could imagine, even close up, too. I thought they would look hard, but they don't. And then we took some pictures over on another part of the set, and he did something that I really felt honored about. I found out that later he never smiles when his pointed ears are on because it's not in character with Mr. Spock. But for this picture with me, for this young girl, uh, Kim Larson, for this Fave Magazine 1968 piece... Uh, he smiled for me, and they were really surprised. Nimoy had a change of heart, of course, and the, the pictures would be not printed until February 68, uh, so to coincide with the broadcast broadcast of the episode. Uh, let's see. So that, you know, I thought that was an interesting little piece of the, this magazine and people from it being able to visit the set uh, and Leonard Nimoy uh, smiling. There's a picture in this book, in Cushman's book of um, Leonard in his Nazi uniform with this young girl Kim Larson for this magazine photo op so that uh, I thought was pretty interesting another thing I, I noticed about this is this Daris uh, played by Valera Nor Nor Noland Noland um, she's still alive and uh, this was actually one of the last things acting jobs she had which is I thought was interesting let's see uh, a little more background in this episode uh, the episode went through a, a, a lot of script troubles, rewrites, and everything. They uh, they were working on all different kinds of things, as much as things like, uh, you know, why would a planet start doing things like this? The characters seem very one-dimensional. Uh, also, how did Spock and Kirk get out of that jail cell? They invented, you know, that little transponder thing to get them out. They were going to have just one of them fake being sick, that kind of a thing. But they thought they should get out a little bit more sophisticated. Um let me read the uh, other bit. There's one little uh, last memory of this. This is from the director, Vincent, Vincent McEvity, uh, if that's how you say his last name. He said, this was my least favorite show that they gave me to do. It was just pretentious. It was forced. I didn't care for anything in it. James Doohan, of course, playing uh, the actor playing Scotty, uh, who fought against the Axis armies in World War II. You know, uh, Jimmy was uh, in the Canadian Air Force, I think is what it was. And he said that during this episode, all I could think about is how gullible the German people were. They were really suckered into Hitler, and some of them loved it. There will always be those who appeal to the worst instincts in humanity. On the opposite side of the coin, Star Trek, according to William Wintersoul, the leader of the underground movement in this episode, appealed to the best instincts in humanity. He said the fans saw in it and felt it. So he's talking about Star Trek here what was happening in the world and it was being put into science fiction form put somewhere in the future so it wasn't like watching a newscast and, and gave them room to think about it and and what was being said on tv <clears throat> excuse me with the entertainment shows wouldn't do political statements they wouldn't you know no one else would cover these kinds of topics and issues uh, and they wouldn't do political statements at the time but this unique concept made it possible to make those statements and look how it took root with the fans so, you know, patterns of force, 
you know, in that uh, description in the Cushman book, most of the pages on the story on that uh, episode, which which is true with a lot of the episodes, is all the the back and forth memos on the scripting and the story. And, you know, this was a tricky episode when you think about it to pull off. And a, a couple other behind the scenes things. This didn't episode didn't air in Germany for a long, long time. Let me see. I just had it up here a moment ago. Yeah, it didn't air. <laughs> Believe it or not, this air this episode never aired until 2001 in Germany. Uh, they they uh, obviously uh, you know for a long time there there was uh, there there was just just some people that were alive in that time maybe many former Nazis and even in the second run in the 90s of Trek uh, they didn't do it so it took a long time Austria though nearby they did broadcast it untranslated with German subtitles so there were, were ways for people over there could, to see this I um, I can remember a, 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 a one time I, I was visiting Germany and uh, even gosh this was probably about six years ago seven years ago and I was in this little bar pub place in Germany and we were speaking English I was there with another colleague and we were there with some Germans a company we were visiting with and I could tell, at least the other guy that I, I was with noticed this. He, he I don't know if he was just uh, maybe just putting more into it, but he was pointing, he kind of like, you know, nodded to me at one point and whispered to me that there's this other table of Germans a few tables away that obvious to them that since we were speaking English, it was probably pretty obvious we were from America. And he said these guys just didn't like us. He said they kept giving us these evil looks. And I'm like, geez, you know, it's, it's 50 years later. Um, just get over it, <laughs> I wanted to say. Anyway, um, but uh, so this episode, Patterns of Force, I was, it was never a favorite of mine. It's probably one why it's uh, of the TOS episodes, you know, there's, there aren't a lot that I have not covered on the show. It's probably one that I've, uh, you know, that's why I'm, I'm doing it now. But the thing about this one that I always probably had the most trouble with is you have this historian, this former teacher of Kirk's, John Gill, and he thinks he can take the efficiency of the Germans cult, you know, the, what, what they did in the, in, at that time, I was going to say culture, not really culture, but the, the efficiency of the Nazis and, and just, you know, not have the, you know, crazy power ridden leader show up or leaders to, to, you know, they, I guess you can't have the good with the bad kind of a thing. So uh, that that um, is, you know, history tends to repeat itself. Yeah, I guess is what they say. And it's this was a very in-your-face. This is why the Prime Directive does, you know, is where it's at, and how bad things can get if it, if if you mess around with other people's uh, cultures. Although they were really not necessarily in the best state to begin with. So you got that going for you as far as. Well, maybe John Gill said, well, these guys, this 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 um, place is very, very messed up. So anything would be better than the way it, the state it's in right now. So he tries to put on, put into them the, the efficiency of the Nazis, and, and it just kind of goes bad. So so anyway, the, yeah, but it's, I think the episode's okay. It's, it's certainly not a, not a favorite, and, and I, but there's some interesting things in it. There's even some humor. Uh, and uh, of course, the characters are, are are interesting to see out of the ship in different uh, costumes and a different sort of setting, which is always good. I, I I enjoyed those a lot when you got them off planet, and 
in the second season, you know, you got them in these interesting circumstances uh, that uh, I thought was uh, kind of cool. Uh, but um, so there's our very brief and different kind of a look at uh, patterns of force from season two of TOS. Let me take a brief break here. I'll slide uh, something in and uh, then we'll come back and wrap up today's uh, tribute to Leonard Nimoy and and finish things off. There's a legend, possibly based in fact, that during World War II, the Italians were very fond of Mussolini when he came to power as a fascist because he made the trains run on time. They were Germans who adored Hitler at first for bringing order to their chaotic government and life. In Patterns of Force, John Gill was attempting to do the same on the planet Ecos. The problem is that it's impossible to extract elements of good from evil totalitarianism. Evil, given a foothold, even in the name of good, will eventually take over. No matter how much you revise history, the lessons don't change. Okay, well, let's wrap up today's show. Uh, again, thanks so much for everyone who wrote or, or sent an audio on uh, Leonard E. Moy and uh, Rick Moyer's song was was great. So again, thanks so much for that stuff, guys. I know it was only a couple of days ago, and there was also obviously a lot of comments on all, all over Facebook, the group there, some things on the forum too. So uh, please, uh, you know, check all that out. Check out the video I did over at vimeo.com/trekkie. I posted it on the Facebook group as well, and on the forum. So again, Leonard E. Moy. Uh, we miss you and you know, just touch so many lives and, and, and just so happy that uh, we got to, to, to know him in, a, in different ways uh, and just enjoy everything that he, he did and, and we'll enjoy it still for years to come. I know uh, that, uh, that we'll all be watching you know a lot of movies and the Sci-Fi Channel I think is running some stuff today and I'm sure there's going to be other things over the next coming few days and weeks uh, ahead so again uh, really I think a fantastic individual and and definitely uh, somebody that uh, just had a great career and a great life so I think we should uh, celebrate that too and uh, let me mention also briefly this is coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi in the next few weeks Uh, next week we're going to have Mark our classic sci-fi guy here with another classic sci-fi film The Earth versus the Flying Saucer on uh, two weeks from now, on the 15th, uh, I'm going to cover kind of a broad look at the, the life and work of Harlan Ellison, one of my favorite authors. Uh, he, he, he also wrote uh, my favorite Trek, original Trek episode, The City on the Edge of Forever. So uh, there's been some talk on the forum about covering authors, and, and, and I thought that would be a good one for me at least because I, I'm just a big fan and uh, got several books, read a lot of his stuff, so I'll be talking about that in two weeks. On the 22nd, Meds will be here. It's been a long time since Meds did a show. I'm not sure how long, but I, 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 I got him back. So he's going to cover the Supergirl movie, yeah, from, what, 1984, I think, or five. Oh, interesting news. They're doing this new uh, Supergirl TV series, the CW, I think it's going to be on, along with, you know, they've got The Flash, they've got Arrow. 
they're going to do a Supergirl series. And the latest thing I just read about online is that Dean Cain and uh, Helen Slater, Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in the movie, and Dean Cain, of course, who played Clark slash Superman in the Adventures in Lois and Clark, you know, that 90s series. Anyway, they're gonna, they've been cast in this new Supergirl TV show. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be her kind of adoptive parents. That would be makes sense. They're both about the right age for that. So I think that would be really interesting and cool. I always like the fact that they used um, Annette O'Toole in, in the Smallville show as, as Clark's mom. Uh, you know, she was in Star Trek Three as, as Lana Lang. So anyway, Meds will be here as Supergirl on the 22nd. And then the 29th, uh, the last weekend or the last Sunday of this month, I will be here with a video cast. I'm going to cover and talk about the upcoming summer movie season of 2015. A lot of cool stuff to see, a lot of fun things to watch. So, yeah, I think it's going to be good. we got a good lineup for March. Uh, February is finally done. Hopefully the weather will be getting better. It's crazy cold here still. Uh, maybe not quite as crazy cold today. We're up about 27 right now Fahrenheit. There's your weather report I usually do at the beginning. But uh, So I hope this this podcast helps some of you in a way, and I, I hope it wasn't too somber. I think I'm going to take Med's advice here and play a little song uh, that Bilbo Baggins, uh, Leonard Nimoy song that he did. You can find that video and song on YouTube. But I think that would be a fun way to end uh, the show. You know, Leonard... Uh, Always had a great laugh. Always, always had a smile for his fans. Always, you know, took a moment and I think to really appreciate. And he, he was very humble about I think his his career and and you know his his level of celebrity and all that stuff, which I very much appreciated. I I, I just seems like he was a fantastic guy. Again, the times that I saw him in, in, at conventions, he, he just seemed very sweet and nice with everyone. And uh, I you know. I've said it a million times, I think, already on the show today, and I'll say it again. He'll be missed, uh, but not forgotten. So um, so here's him singing the Bilbo Baggins song. And I will talk to you guys all again in a couple of weeks. Mark will be here next week. So take care, uh, live long, and prosper. In a hobbit hole, and everybody knows him. Bilbo, 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 Bilbo,
captain's log, stardate 8141.6. Starship Enterprise departing for SETI Alpha 5 to pick up the crew of USS Reliant. All is well. And yet I can't help wondering about the friend I leave behind. There are always possibilities, Spock said. And if Genesis is indeed life from death, I must return to this place again. He's really not dead. As long as we remember it. It's a far, far better thing I do than I have ever done before. A far better resting place I go to than I've ever known. Is that a poem? Mm. Something Spark was trying to tell me on my birthday. You okay, Jim? How do you feel? Before.